Welcome to the podcast series, Animated Living, where we help you to live out the best version of you, the most animated version of you. I'm Ian Freestone, and I'm your host. Well, my guest today is Australian nurse Esther Scarborough, who, with her husband Peter, went to uh, an island in the far northeast of Indonesia to do an important work there among the poor. And I want to talk to Esther today because she is living in the middle of a huge pandemic. Uh, Indonesia is now seeing the highest death rate out of any other country in the world. And Esther is experiencing the impact of this firsthand as a health administrator. She provides training to those who are administering help to COVID patients and, and other health conditions. But Esther, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me today, Ian. Uh, we're on a small remote island and it's very beautiful here. We're, we're surrounded by, yeah, jungle, tropical yeah, rainforest sort of area, but it has villages all over this island. And yes, we have been hugely impacted by COVID. Can you tell us specifically about the area where you are and the work that you're doing? How many staff are there? What services are provided? What benefits do you provide to the region? Okay. Uh, we helped to found a clinic here that has a day clinic but it also has a small it's not a hospital it's not registered as a hospital but it is registered as a, a clinic where you can sleep over but we have um about 16 acute beds but we have about another 35 beds that are um like non-acute so we've been using these beds for COVID-19 patients and we work very closely with the government. The government has actually been very professional. I'm, I'm very impressed with how they've handled COVID-19 and we've joined hands with them and they've referred patients to us when their hospital has been uh, shut because of many staff getting sick. They referred their patients to us and we refer patients back to them. So we work very closely. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was going yeah. to say, well, prior to COVID, you, you also, you had a leprosy clinic, you were, um, you were helping people with malaria, tuberculosis, is all that still going on as well? Yes. Yes, we still do all that. We have all those um, running, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all those programs are running in and, conjunction and with the government, HIV, leprosy, TB, in conjunction with the government program. And the school you yes. were beginning to mention before I cut you off. That's all right. We do have a school too, yes, with several hundred children. And we follow the Indonesian curriculum with an extra emphasis on English. So it's really great. The kids are doing very well. Mm. So how many staff, just to give us a bit of an idea, how many staff across these, this work? All up over all areas that includes building and everything we have over 100 staff mm -hmm. well thank you for again for coming on the podcast i, I know the the internet connection in 
uh, Halmahera, North Maluku, Indonesia is not quite as good as it is here in Sydney, Australia. But, um, and I believe this is your first Zoom. Is that what you said to me? It is my first Zoom. We don't oh. usually use them. Our, our dear internet has never been very good, but it's improved of late. So, yeah. yes, here we go. <laughs> okay, well, we, we're just Zooming all the time over here at the moment. So uh, I, don't, I don't wish a Zooming world upon you, but, you know, it's great that you've got a, a higher speed internet coming into play there now. That's good. Yeah. Yep. So tell us, Esther, I mean, I know I just had a look at the statistics. What have we got here? Four million COVID cases in Indonesia, 118,000 deaths. In mid-July, they hit a peak of 56,000 cases in a day and a peak in deaths of over 2,000 at the end of July. Um, then it dropped to now in the middle of August. So if you're watching this, we're recording this on the 16th of August, 2021. So everything changes, as you know, every day, every week, every month. But right now, the cases and the deaths have dropped uh, to around 30,000 infections every day and 1,200 deaths a day in Indonesia. Still, as I said, the highest rate of um, mortality anywhere in the world. But Esther... Those figures for us are just figures. You're in the middle of it. How do you interpret those figures? There's a lot more than that because some people will not go to a health facility. So some people are dying at home. There is a lot of deaths. Every village here has people dying um, and they don't realise sometimes that they're dying from COVID-19. They may have their kidney failing or something, but it's actually because they've also got COVID-19. It took a long time for the village people to accept there really is COVID. It took a long time for them to get past all the conspiracy theories and the things that are on social media. And they finally, I think with Delta, it has really hit and people are dying. Everybody knows somebody who's died. Mm. So no one, no one doesn't have a relative who's died. Everybody knows someone who's died. Uh, so if you drive to town, you will see funerals each day along the road. Somebody will be being buried. So it is very sad and it has really hit. Um, I think, like I said previously, the government has done really well. They have had a very professional approach with their vaccination program, with their care for COVID patients. They've done everything I felt they could do. Uh, in this country so yeah it's just very difficult you cannot lock down everybody all of the time in a country like this people will starve you can't do that it's not like Australia that they can afford to do that and I think Australia can't lock down forever either mm. so yeah I think they've done the best they could but we have a high death rate yes yeah well, we will get to talking a little bit about lockdowns and about Australia in a minute. But um, tell me more about the health system there locally. Has it coped with COVID in particular? Has it coped with Delta? The health system has coped with Delta, but the problem is that people don't go to the hospital or to here or they choose to die at home because they're scared. They're scared of isolation, of quarantine, they're scared that people will say they've got COVID-19 and then people will be treating them like they've got leprosy <laughs> or 
worried about them, even when they're out of quarantine. So I think we have the high number of deaths on this island in part because people won't go to the health facilities. Mm. I think they have coped. They've opened new wards. They've, they've opened a new building in town uh, previously with the first wave. They opened a new building. But, um, yeah, it hasn't had full occupancy because of people's fear. Fear is a big factor causing death. Okay. Okay. So Basically. just just to remind people who are watching and listening to this, we're talking about an area of Indonesia that really is um, in the sticks, as we say here. Uh, there is no province further east than yours, is there? Um, like further northeast, you are at the far-flung no. region, and I'll, I'll have a map on the screen yep. that people can look at. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have heard news here um, from Java about, a number of doctors and other people who work in hospitals who contracting the disease and dying and the health system buckling yep. because they just don't have the professionals to even care for the patients. I'm sure in some areas that is true. Mm. I know there have been, we have lost a lot of really good doctors. It's a great tragedy and we have lost good nurses. So mm. it's mm. very, very sad. Mm. What, what impact? I feel really sad. About mm. that, mm. what impact has COVID had among your staff and their families? At first, our staff were afraid. Yeah, at first, our staff were afraid to work. Some, somewhere, but most just kept on working. In the first wave, not one of our staff members got COVID. Uh, that was serving COVID. Not one got it from COVID nineteen patients. There was one that got it from a father who was in the mine who got it. So, but we couldn't see that there was any that were contaminated, as you might say, from working. Um, but the second wave with Delta, totally different. Everybody got it. Delta is different. Delta is way more contagious. We had very strict protocols with our um, personal protective gear, and that did help. But I think with Delta, it's just almost impossible. Yeah. So people are getting sick. Have people in your community died so, or family members died? Family members have died. Nearly everybody has lost a family me member, a grandmother or a grandfather or a parent or an uncle. Everybody, there'd probably hardly be anybody who hasn't lost somebody. Mm. But our staff have not died. I do believe it's because we vaccinated everybody early on. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about that in just one minute. Of those who are getting mm. sick, what are the? How are they getting sick? How's that presenting itself? Uh, perhaps in the you know immediate time in which they get sick, and then weeks or months later. Okay, so when in this wave, we'll talk about the Delta wave, I think, because that's what we're currently facing. Yeah. Uh, they do come in with gastrointestinal problems like diarrhea or stomach uh, issues. They also come in breathless. And I will say we've had quite a number of strokes that I believe are COVID related. So that's what they present with. Yeah. Mm. And the kids are getting uh, it? What, what else? 
the children are getting it but not getting terribly sick. Of our children, uh, 80% have had it. And some got quite sick but not enough to be hospitalised. Mm. So they just needed really good nursing care for their high fevers and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned yeah. your staff were vaccinated. That is the, is it yeah. called Sinovac? So we have. Yeah, Sinovac. Mm. Now, I don't think, yeah, it's not recognised in Australia and I don't think it's, it, well, it definitely isn't the most effective vaccine around, right? But I actually do believe that it's reduced death and I do believe Whilst many people have got COVID-19, even though they've had the Sinovac vaccination, they didn't get terribly sick. So we had staff members that were diabetics, high blood pressure, that we'd had really protected. We were trying very hard. We got through the first wave and they never got the first wave. But with Delta, they got it and we were like, oh, no. But they had been vaccinated and they recovered fairly quickly. So mm. I do believe that the Sinovac has done that. Mm. Uh, there is a few of us here who've managed to get Pfizer or AstraZeneca. I went to the United States and I got Pfizer. I had several reasons to be in the United States, but one of my final reasons was that I could get a vaccination. At the time, if you were not a citizen here, you couldn't get a vaccination. So uh, I couldn't get one at the time, but I got a Pfizer in America. Mm-hmm. So that was really wonderful. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in summary, the benefits of a vaccinated community, you're saying that, that the vaccine that your staff had prevented death, you had no staff die, and yes. of those who got COVID, their symptoms yep. were a lot milder than those who hadn't been vaccinated. Yes, that's true. We had one ex-staff member die. She had um, kidney problems, but she wasn't our staff member. So mm. I've had no person here on our property die. And that is huge. And so I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's important for you now, to mm, have the confidence to do the work that you do in the knowledge that you too are vaccinated. Yeah, I feel way better now. I can visit the patients, I can mix with the staff more readily. I just feel way more confident in moving around. On the other hand, my husband, he's recently got AstraZeneca, but we believe he had COVID-19 at the very beginning of the pandemic, before we had the ability to test and before he was vaccinated. He had all the classic symptoms of COVID-19. But he's never fully recovered. He's mm. still in pain. Mm. So he's suffered from sore throat, uh, headaches. He's tired. He has some brain fog. He has pain in his feet and his hands. And it's very miserable. Now, since he got the AstraZeneca vaccine, some of that has improved. There's been quite a significant improvement for him. So he is what we call a long hauler with COVID-19. He belongs to a support group for long haulers. There's a lot of people out there who are still suffering post-COVID. So if we could have got him vaccinated earlier, he wouldn't have had that. Mm. And it's very, it's been very sad to see him suffer from that. Mm. So we don't want lots more long haulers out there like him. 
Mm. I'm very glad to hear he's on the improve. Now, often in Australia, what I've heard is people say, do you know anybody who's died of COVID-19? I don't, you know, why do we worry about this disease? We don't even know of anybody who's died of it. But it's not just death that you're worried about. It's the long-term damage to your lung, to your organs, to your body. Some people uh, go home on oxygen. Some people may never get off that oxygen. I know you've followed what's been happening here in Australia. You might like to comment on that, your insights. Just to bring you up to date, uh, New South Wales, the state where I am, I, are seeking to have six million people vaccinated, at least their first dose by the end of August. And it looks like it will be closer to 7 million by the end of August. And they're looking to have 70% of the people vaccinated across the nation in October and 80% of the people vaccinated across the nation in November. Uh, we're also, I think, you know, 75, 80, 90% of the national population is in lockdown at the moment. Uh, it's We're feeling the pinch, even though it's nothing compared to what Indonesia and India has suffered. But uh, this, is, this is the hardest we've felt it. So... As you sit yeah. where you are and as you read what you read about what's going on here and talk to people, what are your thoughts about what's going on in Australia at the moment? My thoughts are you have Delta and it's not going to go away. It's extremely contagious. They will not be able to contain it like they could the first one, even with their lockdowns. Even Victoria with their very strict lockdowns think they can contain Delta. I don't believe anybody can contain Delta. It's so contagious. It's so infectious. You have a choice of staying locked down forever or getting most of your population vaccinated. Now, if the Australian people are not willing to vaccinated to get vaccinated, you have a major problem because Delta is too contagious. Mm. And I would, looking on, I think we can't live in fear. We have to trust our medical uh, people that the vaccine is as safe as they can possibly make it and we take risks every day we take risks when we get in a car in a plane you know and if something should become a complication later what can we do we need to get on with life we need to take the vaccination we need to open up we need to allow people to move on with their life we can't stay locked down forever mm. i'm i'm quite sick of it i'm mm. totally sick of lockdowns I'm totally sick of the interruption to our lifestyle. The vaccination gives freedom. Mm. And it is, I did a big whoopee when I got my first vaccination. My son and I walked out of that place in America with our Pfizer and just were like, yippee, we got our vaccination. So I would encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Your risk of um, illness from COVID and sickness is greater, I believe than the risks with the vaccine. So go for it. Well, yeah. thank you for that passionate appeal to our Australian public, Esther, and this podcast will be pumped out over the weekend and uh, I encourage people to share it around because I think that's a very important message and this podcast is all about bringing life and obviously staying alive uh, is an important part of life. 
And the other thing is uh, it's a way that we can show love and care to our fellow neighbour and those who are vulnerable by being vaccinated and ensuring yeah. that the vulnerable in our community don't contract this disease. It's really, really tragic to see the amount of wisdom and experience of the older generation that's being lost right now in Indonesia. So, and there are young people dying too with no comorbidities. So nobody is really safe. It's way better to be vaccinated and take care of yourselves. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I have been... Uh friends to you and Peter for over 20 years and I've watched the work that you have done in this part of Indonesia during that time that really went from just being a vision. I remember sitting with you, um, you know, beside a, a leprosy afflicted person in a very small village. She was not welcome really to even come into the home uh, and and you've been able to build up a work there that has cared for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people just like her uh, until where it is today, over 100 staff and a school and these various clinics and, and now providing assistance to patients with COVID. What particular needs do you have going forward? Uh, right now, we need funding for our staff for their wages. We are always getting in more medications. There's always wages and supplies still needed. So yep, we would appreciate any support. Our staff have paid very low and we feel very bad about that and we would like to pay them better. The mm. government staff are getting bonuses for nursing COVID patients. Um, there's a lot of registration and rigmarole to get that, mm. which we are not doing. We just want to get the patients in and get them well and get them out. So our staff don't get that same uh, bonus that they did get it when we had the patients referred from the government hospital. But right now we just care for them without that. So the staff are very dedicated and working extra hours. Sometimes they do double shifts. When they do double shifts, we will pay them extra for doing that because yeah, they need to. I don't know if any of you can imagine what it's like to wear a hazmat in the tropical heat and the sweat's dripping down your face. You can't see out your goggles and your mask is all wet and um, we've had staff faint. Yeah, it's, it's actually been very difficult. Mm. So we would like to do better by our staff, actually. Right now, that's the thing that's on my heart that the money they receive is inadequate. So any donations for the medical work would be really wonderful. Okay, that's yeah. fantastic. Is there a specific project that's on the hold uh, because you don't have the funding for it perhaps? Yeah. Hmm. We would be able to employ more staff and some higher qualified staff if we had extra money for that. Hmm. So, Yeah. Thank you, Esther. It's so good to talk to someone who is in the thick of it. I'm not that suggesting for a moment that it's nice for you to be in the thick of it, but thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Ian. I must say this is one of the hardest periods of my life and to have watched people going from COVID has been terrible, but 
yeah, we're grateful for all those who've supported here, all those who've enabled us to have oxygen and medicine and the things that we need, and we thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today. It was a privilege to talk to you. Thank um, you. Yeah, thank you so much.